Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Palate Exposure, featuring Ilona Thompson, a podcast for those seeking the ultimate in wine, food, and travel. Each week, she interviews winemakers, chefs, celebrities, and a variety of guests that shape the way we enjoy life. So we paused your career path when you were doing catering. Tell me about the transition from there to here and your involvement with Artisan Group and such like that. So what, uh, after, uh, yeah, after the catering, then Windows on the Wall, where I stayed uh, three years. And my last job in Manhattan was, uh, I had a couple of other small things, but the, the last meaningful one was the opening of Manheim. It was a pretty uh, high hip restaurant in a midtown. Uh, yeah, it's called Mid- Midtown Manhattan, mm-hmm. and uh, so that was very intense. It was only a la carte, uh, so that where uh, it, it was kind of a, um, an interesting place where we tried to uh, to mix uh, some kind of a New York City nightlife with good food. So that's a tough mix. And I don't think I would do that again, but it worked uh, f- until uh, 9/11, mm. and that uh, we were like you know 20 blocks. I mean the whole Manhattan yeah. had to uh, re- uh, you know think outside of the box and reinvent itself. So after that, uh, Lescal came about, and you know I was still very much into. Uh, once you work in Manhattan as a chef, it's very hard to conceive to go somewhere else, or at least in the suburb. You could go to an, to LA, San Francisco, or, or, mm-hmm. or Chicago. It's such an intense high voltage. In, in all those big big cities, yes. And then you know it's competition. This is also where you learn. There's always yeah. you know so, so a place to go, a cocktail to try. Yeah. Uh, so. But at that point, Manhattan was on a standstill, and, yes. it's, and, it's, and it stood there for a while. So that project of Lescal in Greenwich, uh, which I knew because I was living in Westchester, uh, just came about, and it was sizable enough that I felt like I could go there, and because of uh, the people behind it and the size, that, that I felt like it was comparable to and exciting enough to be a Manhattan-like project, even though it was not in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what uh, I would not have gone to any uh, any other place in between. I think to this day, but it was it was an opening also. Mm-hmm. So actually, uh, four or five of the the chefs that were with me at Manhattan went there. But obviously, because you know there was not much going on mm-hmm. other than uh, trying to live again in Manhattan. So so that's what uh, that's how Lescal started. And uh, it was also that was good because Escal was a mix of just like this place here, a mix of banquet banquet space mm-hmm. and restaurant. So a little bit of both of my experience were. Uh, so it's very relevant yeah. to what you're well yes. versed at. Yes, because you know, and then they are both significant part of the business. So you cannot do one without the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so that that was Escal, and then you know, in between um, in between that we after that I'm sorry, in between uh, Escal and Artisan, I I. A little venture with a re- restaurant called Gaia, and this is where that was in Greenwich Avenue, okay. where the, f- the, the real focus Gaia being uh, named after the, the, the goddess of hers, and that was the, the real focus on uh, working with uh, uh, sustainable and um, organic food. Okay. So that's something that that was already part of 
of what we are doing, but it became even more present. Yeah. So I stayed there for five years, then Artisan South Sport came about. So with the same people from Lethka, so I started back at uh, Artisan in, in 2011. 11 and uh, so the, the cuisine was more New England, closer to the farm, and then we actually kept on uh, this on the same trend that we were. Even the trend is not, I don't like to use that word, but uh, on the same path. Yeah. And uh, and then we're getting you know and if it, this, this restaurant here is even far closer to the to, to Vermont and then uh, and uh, the state where most of our farms are. Mm -hmm. So this the the, the West Hartford we pushing the envelope a little bit more. We have a farm that actually, uh, all of our salad, I'm very proud that all of our salad is actually grown uh, by one farm mm -hmm. and, uh, in greenhouses because the problem with New England, mm -hmm. you know, when it starts to get cold, like you don't see nothing until, uh, until spring. Uh, so that helps palette farm in Warren, Connecticut. So Renee is, uh, as a she, she's been working with us for like six, since the beginning almost. So that's her own farm now. Uh, mm -hmm. So twice a week she delivers two or three restaurants. And, uh, so do you have an ongoing concern with them? Do you actually contract them essentially to grow produce for you? Yes, we do uh, crop planning. Okay. Meaning so from one year to another we said we intend to, to use uh, that. Actually all the garden that we have outside, we, uh, I, we, we plan it with her. We say okay this year that worked well or this one didn't look very nice because you have an aesthetic also uh, purpose for that garden mm -hmm. in front, okay. for the guests. Yeah. So yes, there is definitely some uh, crop and garden planning that we do have. Now the relation that we have with her and some other uh, farmer in Eastern is uh, they'll they'll tell us also what they have, and that become a little bit of a, a responsibility as restauranteur to help them too. Okay. Because it's you're a not symbiotic relationship. Yes, you can't. You know, the, or, or our relation with uh, with uh, Patty or, or we have you know Isham just went himself to pick up six cases of Queens because there's a lady that that has Queen Street and then like just you go and you get it and you dispatch it and, and we will cook it so we have a relation it's like nature when nature provides you with something you can't wait for the next thing like you have to, you have to have you have to absorb it so it, it works as long as not everyone grows spinach because there's so much you can do like you have but farmers are getting smarter than that too so they'll they, they'll know what does well, even within the same area, so they don't all grow the same. Interesting. And because they have to be smart in business too, if they all do the same, yeah. uh, then it just doesn't work. So um, we do uh, make a point and an effort, a strong effort to, uh, to help them out. So like in the fall, we would buy um, cases of, to of tomato, we would make tomato marmalade and we use them in a, in a, in a desert, not, necess not necessarily a savory dish. Or uh, the squash, you know. Uh, even though people get squashed out by uh, by November, you know, we, we, we give a, we help them out to, to get rid of, of what they have left. Uh, up to what we can absorb, obviously. Yeah, and you have several restaurants, right? How many restaurants do you run within the group? Yes, we have, but in Connecticut, three. Yes, Lescar and Greenwich. And I do find myself, Isham, also sometimes taking your taking the car, loading it up with what she has, and so usually she and then. Uh, Dropping it at the, the other restaurant. So there's quite a bit of confusion surrounding terms like organic, sustainable, even seasonal. Um, 
again for an average consumer that hears the buzzwords and it seems like every restaurant these days is farm to table or most yeah, of them no, that. Yeah. How, do you, how do they navigate that? How do they actually discern between the, the real deal and just the marketing terms? But first of all, it's, uh, it's, it would be, uh, I mean, I don't know too many restaurants that are 100% organic. So saying that uh, you're completely organic, it's, uh, as I said, like I don't know too many restaurants that, that, that can say that. Uh, I think uh, the, the, the notion is for, for us is to, uh, to make our best effort to absorb all of that. So what does that mean? That means obviously you can, you, we have organic products when, when they are available. That doesn't mean that you can operate in a restaurant, especially associated with an hotel with on, only uh, organic product because you have needs and demand. Uh, so, but you have to make your best effort to, 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 to bring, uh, to use those products. So uh, the, the nuance between uh, sustainable and organic, I think it's, uh, they are both very good, and I think sustainable is probably uh, what uh, would probably identify more of what we are doing. So sustainable that means also sometimes not to use products that are not, uh, uh, you know, very good, like chili and sea bass. You never see us using chili and sea bass. Uh, people ask us of, often, like, oh, I want wild fish. Is better than wild fish could be good. But not all wild fish is sustainable because if we are all to use that, it would be no longer with this two, we're the population. We're too many. Yeah. So in order, in order to uh, to do a sustainable job, we have to rely on farm. Mm. Now, some farms do a very good job, and some farms do a terrible job. So you have to know that on on us to to to, to study and then to look at the, um, the the footprint of those farms and their their, their uh, practices. Yeah. And, uh, but so using f uh, <coughs> uh, farm-raised uh, farm animal, you know, fish, or yeah. it, it's, not, it's not a problem because, you know, if not, it, just, it just would not be sustainable to use wild all the time. Yeah. You would deplete, you know, the, the, the can of all the salmon. So that's not, so that's, that, that's where, uh, that's where we are. But when we see uh, all the side effect of, um, the vegetable, the pesticide, and all those are this real bad effect on, on, on us. Like you, you mm -hmm. the gross hormone, so you, you know you have you have to use farm that that stayed away from all the, all, all those things mm -hmm. um, because they they have real consequences. That you, you I mean you don't have to be a doctor to, to see the way the last fifty years went and the eggs and disease that people uh, have now they didn't have fifty years ago. Yeah. Nothing have changed except their their eating habits. Mm -hmm. And what what was uh, you know what the other day, like I have at, I have um, uh, I have produce at home a the garden I have chickens you know we try to, I try to, to, to leave that you know on, on a micro uh, mm -hmm. format and obviously I have fruit trees uh, and uh, it's hard in Connecticut because if it's if it's rainy in the spring um, then then they you know they, they get bugs and all that so I went. Mm -hmm. For the last couple of years, I went to a local uh, nursery and said, you know, is there any uh, organic spray and, and, uh, that, that I can do to, to prevent like, the fungus? Mm -hmm. And the guy that ran the, the, the nursery said, you know, I used to work in California in, 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 uh, in, in, those, um, in the field. 
and there's nothing you can do organically. So those beautiful apples that, uh, that you get there, we used to spread them anywhere between seven and ten times. We was like, mm. I was like, all right. And then uh, basically said, you know, just there's nothing you can really do, like, unless you, and those, that is bad. So now, if you have a vegetable that you can peel or wash, you, you, you protect yourself, but think that you eat raw with the skin, if yeah. then, then you just, you just take that in. Wow, that's a scary thought. That's a scary thought, but the, uh, the industry, the food industry does crazy stuff. It's not, it's not, it's, it's, it's more, uh, has more negative effect than, than good effect. Sounds like consumer beware. We have to really Awareness. take the yeah. trouble to educate ourselves on to what we're eating, what's really in our plate. Yes, and then, uh, yes, and that's a very uh, big task, and you know, the industry is here to, to hide a lot of, of the, uh, the way they, they handle the thing. And that goes from uh, producers to, uh, to animals too, that's even a whole different mm. thing. Some of what you described goes to um, the sensible approach. People get attached emotionally to terminology that makes us feel good, but the reality is that it is a business like you described. And mm -hmm. the business also has to be sustainable. In other words, it has to sustain itself. And also, the sensibilities part is you have to apply common sense to whatever you do. And why should food and dining be any exception? It's such an important part of our lives. It should not be an exception, I don't mean. It should not be. It has, uh, it, it's people, I think it was an overlooked. I think the focus was elsewhere the last, uh, you know, the last the last you know, 30 years or 40 years or 50 years and then uh, food became uh, more an accessory and uh, I think, I think this, you know, we are going back in, in time where, uh, where we realize first of all that it's, we should pay attention to what we put in our body mm -hmm. uh, and also that uh, I think that the restaurant thing, the dining thing, the, the it's coming back, you know, I mean in the, 50 years ago, like dine, the diner was a way to, to eat and dine. So obviously, like I think we've, um, uh, at least in this, in, in this country, I think we've, we've spent more time realizing that it was actually part of life and it was an enjoy enjoyable time to be able to uh, sit at the table with, uh, with friends and meal. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just, that's, you know, it would take uh, someone to look at it from, uh, with a bit more knowledge than I have, from uh, you know, an historian point of view but you know that this is trend like you know but definitely like to be aware and uh, of it and in trying to, to eat the, the right thing is very important yeah and you have to teach your, uh, your, your kids to eat the you know and balance too yes you know fried food, processed food is just it's bad we live in a digital age mm -hmm. information is disseminated a lot quicker and a lot more effectively and a lot more real time how do you think that will affect the food scene? It, I mean, that's the, using the social, social media platform could, uh, it's a double-edged sword. I think if you're true to, to your craft and you do a good job, you probably will have a lot of uh, good feedback and you are, you're always going to have, you know, negative things along the way because it's hard to please or this whatever this bad day or but that could help you now uh, it's it has been seen v uh, the use of that has been f 
I would say it's unfair in some ways because sometimes you have uh, could have rival rivalries. Mm -hmm. You could have uh, many many reasons why someone uh, would give uh, a bad note. Yeah. And sometimes it's not justified. And sometimes, yeah. and we see you know, we see it in the restaurant uh, where sometimes you have guests that come and they are just they're having a bad day. Yeah. And the meal is not going to change that. And they are just, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's not often. So to, to be able to express yourself so quickly, so rapidly and so broadly, it's, um, it's very, uh, it could be judged as unfair. So I think we are not in the business of uh, changing that. We cannot yeah. change that. And this is not our focus. Yeah. So our focus is always to to just focusing on doing what we are doing, trying to get good reviews, you know, naturally, yeah. genuinely. And we do look at them because you want to learn from them. Mm -hmm. You know, if there is something to be learned, it's not always okay. Sometimes it is, you know. When, and if, if, when you realize that you dropped the ball or someone dropped the ball, then we have to pick it up, try to correct and get back at it. But you cannot, we cannot, you know, it's not in, in our, uh, we don't wake up in the morning, I don't wake up in the morning looking at that. Obviously, it's, a, it's an indication, an indicator, but it should not be your, all you gauge, uh, or yeah. your, you, you know, you gauge if you're doing good, if the, if the plates are, are coming empty, if the common cards are good, and uh, if, if, your, if your restaurant is full. You know. yeah. So that's the true indicator of uh, you, us doing a good job together and um, and you learn your you know, you know don't fall along the way and try to fix them fast you don't want to yeah repeat yourself on that side so but it's true like the the, 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 the communication that goes very fast these days especially the the negative things negative yes. always spread ten times faster than because uh, you ass you assume rightfully so you uh, it's a given that you're supposed to do a good job mm -hmm. you know it's all of us whatever we do so that's very often you know it's a given so there's nothing to, to really talk about because it's expected yeah. of us and what's not expected is to do something that's subpar that goes uh, but it, it, it's true for for us uh, and for everything else in life I think negative spread much faster very much so what you described in your approach with respect to all your businesses, a very thoughtful, deliberate, intentional. So hopefully you guys that are listening take a cue from that. I think I'd like to invite everyone to be more thoughtful and not rush to be a couch critic. There's an enormous amount of work that goes into mm -hmm. um, that fabulous plate of food that's in front of you. So just maybe pause and reflect and find ways to communicate more positively. Always a good idea. Speaking of the menu, um, I had the privilege of dining in one of your restaurants last night. It was a fabulous meal on many levels. So I'm quite curious, how do you create your menus? What drives it? We know that you work with local farming community. Uh, it's a very close-knit relationship. Um, so tell me more about what inspires the dishes. Uh, there's many, many influence uh, on what uh, Oh, oh, we do a menu. So we, we obviously we we try to balance it out uh, in terms of uh, protein, and then you cannot just you know, because we have we have a mixed uh, clientele. Uh, we, ki we we keep in mind the season, mm -hmm. obviously. 
and even for the choice of protein, they, they, you tend to you you'll have you know you you'll go into the game into the fall, rabbit, you you mm -hmm. you'll eat lighter. The cooking techniques, you know, you you would grill more in the summer, you braise more. So all of that really uh, comes into play. Uh, <coughs> also, af after that, you also have the, the the fan favorite. You have also something that's really that people identify with your restaurant. So mm -hmm. that th those kind of the those are the more permanent fixtures, even though they are not the full year, but they they they, they, they need to, to to come back. Mm -hmm. And then after that, that everything that you've uh, that's in the back of your head that you've done, uh, I'd like to. Uh, <coughs> I never, f um, you know, I, I want the, my the relation that I have with the the chef, and I right now we're, we're working on, on on Christmas and holiday menus, to be a two-way street. Mm -hmm. So I, I very often uh, ask them. I said, I'm thinking of doing that. What do you think? What have you done? Because you know ideas, they are great, but they need to, they need to, to, to you need to bounce them back. And what have you done? You know, so it's just it's, and then I, I make note or I draw, and I have so, so when we do menu, like I may have like four or five legal pad, you know, legal size pad, and a lot of ideas. And then eventually, you know, you you have things that you like to do, but you this you have to, as I said, like you have to see what, what was done yesterday or the month before mm -hmm. and try not to redo the exact same, but how can you do it a little bit better? So whether it's presentation, pairing, cooking, um, and that's all we... Uh, so it's like a huge puzzle. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, and it works. And, then, um, and we try not to repeat ourselves too much of the menu, obviously. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, but that's, 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 that's... So it's not... It's usually not... You know, you don't come out uh, with one straight dish, like complete. That that's usually mm -hmm. you know you have your protein, you have your you have your your, your vegetable, your your produces floating around, and then you know what goes with what. But you th you you may reinvent or rethink the way you you prep them like the mm -hmm. last menu. And uh, so it's not a five minute process. It's not a one day process. Usually mm -hmm. it takes. Uh, and then when we have that, we run them as a special. To see how they really come together. Because sometimes you have a great idea on paper, and you think, and you can, you, you can talk it over, and it, it sounds good, but for some reason it just does not deliver the same way. And um, and we try to run them as a special, and uh, and then that's how they, they, they come up into a menu. And when we change the menu, we we try not to uh, change uh, a whole lot. Yeah, we try to we change more often. You know, use some peppers. I know it's not always a good thing, but uh, the idea is to uh, to to change two, three, four dishes and more often. Yeah. So we can be fully in control. The execution is is, uh, is mm -hmm. better, and uh, that's that's our approach. Part of the descriptions that um, leapt to mind yesterday was elevated comfort foods. Is that part of the thinking? Yes, comfort is definitely, as I said, like, you know, it's part of the, uh, uh, the dining scene. We, are, we go back to the fact that we are in the hospitality business and then comfort we want, definitely want, want that's an adjective that I would like uh, the guests to, to add to their dining experience. Yeah. Because that's what it, it's all about, like it's not, so it's sophistication. Sophistication has to be found in the execution not the elaboration or the, the complexity of a dish, but the, the preciseness, the precision of, uh, 
of the presentation, the cooking, mm -hmm. and uh, that's where it needs to be sophisticated. Mm -hmm. And less is more. Less is more. So, uh, so, but by that means it needs to be a. Um, it needs to, to it needs to you know to be a nice comforting environment, and and then you, you should be uh, impressed when it come out. Where, where it almost, you know, it sometimes menu you could you go to places menu reads great. You mm -hmm. won't have everything. Yeah. But when when the food comes out, you're you're, you're disappointed mm. because it's not executed as it read. So I think you want the opposite. You want to come into a kind of of not low expectation, but just regular expectation of having a good meal and be surprised. Yeah. The other way around, and say, oh wow, I didn't expect that. So that's kind of where where we are. When we had uh, when we came to West Hartford, we have a very hum humble approach. We still have a very humble. We, we that's why we, we focus on the tavern. Like we we, we want uh, not bring us down, but we want to make sure that we, we are not out of reach to anybody. You know, that's why we have a tavern, and even the price point yeah, for that matter. Absolutely. So, and you want to surprise uh, our cl the clientele with a with a well thought out and well executed product in a nice environment. Yes, no, that definitely was that. It was so flavorful. Your rattan potatoes felt like a hug. <laughs> <laughs> so Thank you've you. obviously achieved a high level of ex execution, but it's delicious, which is the factor that I judge the food by the most. I think we all do. Yes. Um, you clearly have hired a fabulous pastry chef because I'm still thinking about the Dijonais. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes, Coupe Dijonais was one of the favorites. Um, That's an old pain. Like in cassis or black black currant is something from the. I mean, I grew up with that vanilla and cassis. We used to have candies that were made with those two flavor. Uh, and it's just uh, that's part of, of you asking me like what text you know, or do you come up with a menu? Sometimes you have uh, flavor combination that uh, you've, you may have tested 25 years ago and it just they stay forever. So that was uh, that's definitely something from the past. Like black, I mean, often you, you do you see uh, black currant? Uh, Never. And I want to start a movement now. And yeah, but, you, but in the 90s, <laughs> in the in the 90s, there was like black currant mousse everywhere. Well, it was kiwi in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have you, you have things like that, but that's but when they do work, it's it's nice to uh, to to bring them back. And people say, oh wow, they just. I mean, a lot of people have not experienced uh, the, the combination. I mean, it's simple. But it it's is just simple, and it's genius because it's, it was very light. It was very airy. If you guys dine at the artisan, you must order this because that sweet and sour quality that cassis or black currant has, yeah. especially after a filling meal, I thought it was a genius dessert. And it's so heartwarming to hear where it came from. It came from your background. Yeah, all the way back in front. Food connects us on such a profound emotional level, doesn't it? Yes, very much so. Um, if there was such a thing as last meal, I know it sounds depressing, but let's just say there's no tomorrow, what would you have for dinner? I think I've been asked that question at least Probably ten times. <laughs> so you must have. Uh, <laughs> you must have thought about it. So you must have an answer that's familiar. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Probably a simpler, di a simple dish. Um, 
uh, uh, maybe a chicken paella. There's a story behind that. And uh, chicken paella, and uh, and definitely followed by a piece of cheese. And uh, nice piece of monster, probably. Definitely cheese, no dessert. Mm. And uh, yeah, I would, I would have to have. I think I would have a chicken dish. I would not. If I would be the last one. It seems to be uh, something. Sounds yeah. like comfort food. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully it's not anytime soon. So no, no. <laughs> I was just curious, like if those. I could have asked the question many ways. I could go to like if somebody some red wine. Chateau de Pop has yeah. to be a part of that meal. Yeah. But um, yeah. What do you look forward to the most? What fulfills you the most? Um, at work is definitely the the, the realization of the dish. I think it's when it all come. Uh, when you stand by the the, the window or the path and uh, and you see that dish coming at you to be sent that's the that's the culmination uh, of, of a lot of work from the thought process that started a week before maybe if it's a special mm -hmm. uh, the processing the butchering of, of the making of the sauce the realization and then the synchronization of all the cooks coming together that plate is a uh, it's usually the combination of a lot of work. Mm -hmm. So when it comes and it's exactly the way it's supposed to be, and it's hot and it smells good, and it's ready to go out to someone, that's very satisfying to me. Well, I think everyone that um, happens to be in proximity should come and try your food. That's my vote. Um, for that reason alone, yeah. the fact that it energizes you so much still and there's that rush oh yeah that's not producing something yeah. that's special and that will put a smile on your face so on that note thank you very much it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today thank you very much thanks again for tuning in to the official podcast of palette exposure featuring Alona thompson we'll see you again next week